Welcome to The Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Amanda Stevens about ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Amanda is the wife of Eric Stevens, a former Los Angeles Rams football player diagnosed with ALS on August 27th, 2019. Before we continue, I'm going to thank our sponsor, and then I'm going to let Amanda tell her story. If you're considering locum tenens, either full-time or on the side, you probably have a question or two, or 20. Fortunately, locumstory.com has the answers you need. It's packed with unbiased information and advice from physicians like you. Locumstory.com has nothing to sell. It's simply a resource for information. You'll find super handy tools that let you see locum's trends for your specialty, compare different locum's agencies, and there's even a quiz to help you decide if locum's is right for you. Locumstory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about locum's. And now, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Amanda Stevens to the program. Amanda, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So a little bit of a saga. So tell us uh, what happened. Yeah. So um, first of all, thank you again for having us on today. I'm Amanda Stevens, the co-founder of the Axe ALS Foundation with my husband, Eric. Um, just to go back to the beginning of our story, Eric and I met at UC Berkeley, where we were both collegiate athletes. I played soccer, and Eric was captain of the football team there. Um, he was a fullback, and this was back in 2009. Um, we met just through mutual friends, kind of hit it off immediately. He invited me to a party, and the rest is history after that. Um, we dated for a while after college. Eric had a short stint with the St. Louis Rams um, before he came and became an LA City firefighter. And I was a second grade teacher um, down in Newport Beach, California, um, where we lived with our dog. And um, we dated for a long time. He finally <laughs> popped the question in 2018. Um, and then we got married on July 27th, 2019. And I mean, we both had just the dream careers that we worked so hard for. We were living in this area we loved, um, kind of on top of the world, honestly. We we were just so, so happy. Um, and then one month after our wedding day on August 27th, of 2019, Eric was diagnosed with ALS. Um, so yeah, as you can imagine, our worlds were just flipped upside down and yeah, everything kind of came to the screeching halt. And um, it's honestly been kind of a nightmare since then. But um, as we'll get into it, we've just tried to work really hard by raising awareness for ALS and do everything we can to bring more attention to the disease, more funding, more support. Um, so that's kind of where our story started. Okay, so you actually have a foundation that that you started. What's it called? It's called the Axe ALS Foundation. So 
when Eric was diagnosed, he was a firefighter. And as the fire family is, they come together and they support their own. And they created this viral campaign where they would post um, the hashtag AxeALS in front of the fire truck or the fire station with all the firemen. And this campaign kind of went viral. Um, there were fire stations, sports teams, I mean, anyone posting AxeALS pictures all over social media. And we got a lot of media in the beginning. Um, we were on the Ellen DeGeneres show three times. We did a TED talk. I mean, the AxeALS campaign kind of took off and it really gave us that momentum we needed to raise more awareness for the disease. And then COVID happened and everything kind of started to slow down. But um, through this awareness that we gained, we kind of realized with Eric's platform, being a football player and a firefighter, um, that we could try to change this disease and just give it that attention that it so desperately needs. And um, so we decided to create the AxeLS Foundation to um, just really give patients a voice. Um, with ALS, something that happens really quickly is you lose your voice. And so with Eric having the disease, he knows that urgency um, that he wants in a foundation um, to fight for him. And so that's kind of where I've stepped in and taken this role of, okay, I'm fighting to save your life as you're fighting for every movement. Um, and we've we became a foundation at the end of 2020. So we're very new. Um, but in these past couple of years, um, we've started to do a lot of fundraisers and try to our, our three main um, goals of our foundation are first to fund clinical trials and treatments. So one of the first things that we found out when Eric was diagnosed is just how difficult it is for ALS patients to access treatment. Um, and, you know, when you're given a terminal diagnosis, all you want to do is have a treatment to try and something to fight. Um, and so that's kind of one of our main goals is to get treatments into the bodies of patients. And um, recently we gave a gift to Mass General and UC Irvine where we are funding an expanded access protocol program. And this is really exciting news. This is actually the first time I'm getting to speak about it um, because it was just approved. But um, the ALS Foundation is gifting Mass General and UC Irvine $162,000 each year for three years um, for a total of 486,000 over three years. And with this program, we are able to give 10 ALS patients a year, so 30 patients total over the three years, um, it, they are getting to try a treatment in the expanded access program. So this is something we're really, really um, excited about and really happy that we were get to be a part of it. Um, not many people know that after like two or three years of patients that have ALS, they're disqualified from clinical trials, so they can no longer um, be a participant. And so this was something we really wanted to change. And that's something we focused on from the beginning. So we're really happy about this um, gift that we were able to give. 
Well, that's pretty exciting. And I, I'll put your uh, contact information in the show notes. And uh, it sounds like a worthy cause. And I assume you're still accepting uh, donations, right? Yes. 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 So right. if anyone uh, feels uh, so motivated, it is a worthy cause. Well, I'm a neurologist and I do treat uh, patients with ALS, but uh, it's tough on the patient because as as you say, it, it it is a progressive disease and the timeline is pretty fast. So it actually makes it kind of difficult from a uh, patient uh, support group kind of uh, point of view because you don't have patients with ALS who've had it for 30 years. So they're, they're not around long enough really to, to make a lot of noise about it. But it, it sounds like uh, you've done a great thing. And it reminds me of the Michael J. Fox you know, foundation where of course there are other foundations for Parkinson's disease and, and his case was a little unusual, but he has the uh, profile, right. To bring attention to the disease and raise money. And, and I believe that the thrust of his foundation also was to, Hey, let's speed things up and uh, get new medicines to the people who need them like today, because uh, as you point out, the, the food and drug administration has a very specific protocol for the approval of new medications. And uh, frankly, there are good reasons for that because not everything that's new is good. And I have seen uh, treatments that were, oh, this is a new treatment, we got to try it. And then it turned out that patients were actually harmed and did not benefit. So that's one of the reasons for sort of dragging it out and making sure that it's done carefully. On the other hand, if you have a disease and they tell you, well, you know, two, three years from now, you may not be alive anymore. It's like, well, I want something today. <laughs> and uh, this happened early on in the HIV uh, epidemic when there was no treatment. People with HIV they say, I'll try anything. Just give it to me today because I don't want to die. So trying to balance, you know, urgency and uh, safety, uh, that's pretty uh, challenging. But it sounds like, you know, pairing up with Mass General and doing this in a procedural scientific way, that sounds really terrific. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, right when Eric was diagnosed, the first thing he said was, "How do I fight this?" You know, you're told you're gonna you're gonna die in two to five years, and he didn't want to accept that. And so, um, like I explained, that was one of the big things we wanted to fix. Was okay, we see cancer, and we see obviously what happened with COVID. How the FDA can be flexible; they can figure out different pathways for these diseases and we've seen it. And so we're fighting to get ALS in that same category. And um, we've have been working on legislation with other ALS organizations. And actually um, a little over a year ago, we had our first bill signed, which is the act for ALS where um, the FDA and the NIH are funding for more expanded access programs. So kind of in partner with what our mission is, is just allowing patients to try the treatment. I mean, ultimately that's what they want. They just want a fighting chance. And um, we just need to try to fix these archaic pathways that right now the ALS community is, is fighting against. And um, so that's one of our big missions is get the treatments into their bodies, kind of let them decide what they want to try. I mean, Eric, we don't know how much time Eric has left and he just wants to go out with a, a fighting chance. He's not just going to give up. So 
Now, just for the listeners, there actually are several treatments available now that are FDA approved for ALS, although frankly, none of them are uh, all that good. Uh, but has Eric been able to try any of those? He has tried some of them. And um, yeah, I think there's three or four that are approved right now um, by the FDA. And um, I think they extend your life for a couple months. And to be honest, Eric's mindset is if I'm already at this state of what ALS can do to your body, completely paralyzed, I'm not able to eat or drink or speak, you know, I don't know if I would want those extra months. Um, and so, and also he's kind of found that the side effects from the drugs aren't worth the the benefit. And so, um, however, he was a participant in a clinical trial. So right when he was diagnosed, he did um, get into a stem cell trial and the drug was called Neuron. And um, we fought and fought for expanded access because we weren't sure if he was getting the drug or placebo. It was mm. a double blind 50% placebo study. Um and so we fought and fought for expanded access, and he was granted six doses of this drug after the trial. Um, and so we think that this drug has really helped him um, just to kind of show you an idea of where Eric's at after over three years, almost four years since symptom onset. Um, he's still able to walk short distances, but... Um, he walks all around our house. When we're outside going for walks with our daughter or our dog, he does have an electric wheelchair that he'll bring just because long distances aren't really, it, he's not able to do them. Um, he's still eating normally. Um, I do have to help him eat. He can no longer lift a spoon or fork to his mouth, but um, he can chew and swallow okay. Um, he's speaking clearly, he's able to sing and read to our daughter, which is so wonderful. Um, and his breathing is remaining strong. And so not many ALS patients, you know, four years since symptom onset can say the same about being in this good of shape. And we really, really think that this stem cell treatment that he was, um, given in the clinical trial and expanded access program has helped him. And um, so that's kind of another battle that we're facing right now is just the issue of once a trial or an expanded access program is over, you no longer have access to it, um, which is just mind blowing to us. And if it's helping him, why can't he get more? Um, so that's another battle we're, we're facing right now. So you, you mentioned earlier that after several years, ALS patients are not able to enroll anymore in clinical trials. Is that because their life expectancy is so short or because they're so uh, impaired that uh, it, you know, they, it's just not going to work out? Is that, is that the concern? I've never, uh, we don't normally sort of put limits on, you know, duration of disease. Yeah. So a lot of these clinical trials, if you're two or three years past your um, diagnosis date or symptom onset, um, you're disqualified from the clinical trial. And um, they just have, I think what the reason is, is because they're too, you know, far gone. Maybe they they think they will be at that stage, but 
this disease is so heterogeneous in the way that it affects every patient. I mean, for example, Eric's symptom started in his left hand where someone else's symptom might have started when their drop foot or their speech or swallowing. And so their progression is so different. And so that was always a big question we have was how can you put a a timeline on when somebody can try a treatment or not. Um, and so that's kind of our fight with the expand more expanded access programs, because that would allow patients who cannot get into a clinical trial anymore to still receive the drug. Um, so have you heard any more about the stem cell? Because if it worked, you know, on, on paper, once they sort of do all the statistics, I presume they'll, you know, want to push it for FDA approval and get it out there. But there's this sort of gap time from the time the study ends to the time it would get approved or just, you know, well, let's move on, try something else. Um, it's hard to, uh, I'm not sure, I'm sure that's at least a year, if not longer um, do you know, have you heard whether they've applied for FDA approval or they're not there yet? Yes, I have heard. Um, they did announce the company's called Brainstorm and they did announce that they filed for a BLA um, with the FDA, which is basically asking the FDA if they can file for approval and it was denied. And the reason why it was denied was because the trial didn't meet um, the standard, the it wasn't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't meet the, oh, I'm blanking. Well, that's okay. I just wanted to know if it was yeah. you know, going forward or not. So it may be a little bit of a dead end. Maybe they'll try another trial if they can get it together to do so, so that they meet the FDA requirements, you know, so that it'll qualify uh, to get approved. So is this a full-time yeah. job for you now, this uh, Axe ALS? It sounds like. Yes, it is a full-time job. Um, I'm just trying, I mean, we have a wonderful board um, that we work with. We try to meet as as much as we can just because we're still in the new stages of creating this foundation. Um, we, I've already explained the Mass General and UC Irvine gift that we gave and then Two other parts of the foundation that we want to accomplish is to help other um, veteran families, firefighter families, first responder families, and just younger families in this similar position as us. Um, and so we hold a couple of golf tournaments a year, big fundraisers, and we held one last year in Atlanta, Georgia. And with the funds raised, we were able to give two young families um, $25,000. And um, they were able to, one family was able to buy an accessible vehicle and the other family was able to um, do a bathroom renovation to make it more accessible for um, the patient that had ALS. And so that's one big um, part of our foundation is helping these other families in need. Um, ALS is an extremely expensive disease. Um, I mentioned you know, accessible vehicles, your home has to be accessible for wheelchairs and all the equipment that may come with the disease. Um, and so being able to help families and, and going forward, that's our goal is at these golf tournaments to be helping families in need um, is something we've really want to do. And then the last part is the research part. And I think um, other organizations are really focusing on research and our biggest 
concern is helping patients that are alive today. My, my goal is saving my husband's life. And so um, we research isn't one of our main focuses, but it's something we obviously want to donate to, to give to. And so um, we're really interested in looking into how maybe concussions. My husband was a football player. He was a fullback. Um, so he's running as fast as he can into people. Um, and then, so concussions, head trauma, if that might've played a, a role in this, um, firefighting, being exposed to all the toxins. He did work at a hazardous material station. So if that might've played a role, um, and then just why younger individuals are being diagnosed with this. My husband was 29 years old when he was diagnosed. Um, so those are kind of the three areas for research we would like to focus on. We, we haven't, um, I'm right now searching for opportunities where we can, um, give to researchers to explore, you know, these maybe causes of ALS since it's still so unknown what, what causes this disease. Right. Well, of course, my heart goes out to you and your family. Uh, it's a you know, tough, tough challenge. And but it sounds like you've taken the tiger by the tail to do uh, everything that you can. Uh, you mentioned a fundraiser. Do you have any fundraisers uh, coming up? We actually have one tomorrow tomorrow in Newport Beach. Um, we are doing a fundraiser with Athletes First. They are an NFL agency. Um, and so they have partnered with us to benefit our foundation. And tomorrow we're holding a golf tournament in Newport Beach at Newport Country Club. Um, so if you're in the area and you're listening to this, um, you can come out and support the foundation. There will probably be some NFL players there that you'll get to see. Um, so it's a really exciting event. And we're just so thankful for um, Athletes First to, to benefit our foundation. And uh, you don't even have to play golf to come, isn't that right? Right. You can come and watch. <laughs> yes. Well, Amanda, is, is there anything like you'd like to add before we uh, wrap up? Um, just thank you again for having us on. Um, it, I just think the more attention that we can bring to this disease, it will obviously have a snowball effect into more support and more funding. Um, we know the ice bucket challenge happened almost 10 years ago, and it was wonderful for the disease. A lot of um, awareness and money was raised, but um, there's still so much unknown about ALS, and we're really in a race against time. And um, we're just, you know, my goal is to save my husband's life as well as everyone else battling this disease. So um, any any support we much appreciate. And um Thank you again for having us. Amanda Stevens, thanks for being on The Art of Medicine. Thank you. Before we close, I'd like to give another thanks to our sponsor, locumstory.com, a resource where providers can get real, unbiased answers about locum tenants. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. Thanks for watching. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. 
Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe www.andrewwilner.com.